Brother Luke, he, he, asked, uh, he asked if I could finish up this series, Live Like You Believe It, right? And it's like, okay, so what do you, he said, well, pick something out of the confession of faith. There, these things are in the back uh, by that table. And he said, it'd be great if you could just wrap the whole thing up and end it on the most difficult subject of the reign of God. <laughs> you did all the fun subjects. Come on, Luke. <laughs> That's right. But uh, I was praying for some sort of insight as to where in the world you go um, in Revelation, eschatol eschatology. It's pretty heavy duty. We might get to some of that. But as I was praying on the beach suffering in Jamaica, I thought, oh, stewardship. Because what says better about stewardship than a five-star exotic vacation, right? <laughs> but I did not pay for it. That was forced upon me by my parents. So I suffered along with it. It's true. I paid so that way dad couldn't hold it over my head that I paid for the last meal when we were on our way home at Wendy's. He was fiddling around trying to get, uh, trying to get the pennies out of his wallet. They can afford to take the big family because he watches his pennies. But the, uh, his illustrative purpose to the point, mom and dad are wonderful, wonderful people. They were poor tenant farmers. Saved every little nickel and dime and penny. Are we working, you think? Keep going. Okay. I'll just try not to wander. At any rate, but Dad holds that money like, oh, I earned every penny of this. This is mine. Don't touch. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. And, and oh, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like being stuck behind that thing. <clears throat> but Dad holds everything with, Oh, got to grip it so tight. And uh, he's into hot rods, so he builds his own hot rods. Dad is a brilliant engineer, a wonderful person in many regards. He just can't get along with other people, so he has to stay isolated in his garage and build his fancy hot rods and then take his babies in car haulers to car shows because they're too nice to drive down the road. Any rate, living like we believe it. Dad is living like he believes it, that he earned every one of those pennies and he's going to put it to perfect use and I just have to remind him on occasion, what is your daughter-in-law going to spend your money on, Dad? You saved your whole life. If you want a new Corvette, just order it. You can afford it. Or take us to Jamaica. Enjoy your granddaughter's inheritance with her. <laughs> Don't just save it all. Live like you believe it, right? Dad does that, but we're called as Christians. Dad's not a Christian. Uh, we're called to live a little bit differently. In stewardship... Go to the next slide, please. Oh, wow, that's really small. <laughs> if that's legible to any of you, that's fantastic. Uh, I didn't write this. You know, this is not my words. I did a summary uh, in, in another slide or two. But stewardship is so much more than our pocketbook, the purse strings to, you know, to our soul. Yes, there's that too. Finances is one part, but it's so much bigger. Stewardship, what... I learned a lot out of this darn thing this, this last couple of weeks. The stewardship is so much more than, uh, than just managing a checkbook and giving, giving your check in the, uh, in the offering bag as it goes by or to the bucket in the back for the... Uh, that, that's important too. I don't want to gloss over that importance. But God calls us, according to this confession, that we are to be stewards of His household. That's language I hadn't read before. Stewardships of His household. How do you steward your household? What are the things you do to take care of your household? 
I really don't like doing dishes, so I got one of those minions called the dishwasher, right? Uh, cutting the grass, that's fun. I got a riding lawnmower, because Brother Dwayne taught me years ago that if it takes more than an hour for you to cut your grass, then you either need to upsize your mower or downsize your lawn. <laughs> so I upsized my mower, right? Because that's good stewardship, right? Making good use of our time. Oh, gosh, you've got you to feed the kids, and oh, we need to save for retirement, all these different things. That's stewarding our resources, time, everything. Uh, volunteering yourself to all sorts of different organizations, such as the, 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 the Elder Rosenberger part. They, they were just in a longer-term MDS project last month. They haven't even been home yet. They raced back through the mountains to, uh, to get back to take care of five of their six grandkids here. And it's like, oh... Well, I guess it's not that hard to manage because they're used to eight, or they, they raised eight kids. So five, that, they make it look pretty easy. But stewardship is so much more. But more than finances, but yet the Bible, I've heard this said before, maybe it'll ring true to your ears, that, that Jesus spoke more about money than he did much anything else. And that seems like, oh, really? I wrote it down just so I wouldn't forget. According to... Some reference, I didn't write down who wrote it, but some 2,350 some odd references to money, just money, uh, not, not besides the other references to stewardship in the scripture, <laughs> which is more than, more than the subjects of faith and prayer combined. Why would that be? The nearest I can conjure is that it has the purse strings are somehow tied to our heart here. Kind of like dad, he loves his babies, he loves his pennies and his nickels and his dimes and his seven figures now, right? That's where, that, 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 that's where his heartstrings are connected to. But we're called to have our heartstrings connected to something else. And it's not so much a tight grip. Can you go to the next slide, please? Okay, a scripture verse. Let's go with that. I can't read that, so I'll read it off of here. Actually, I'll take a half a step back. This is what the... I couldn't read it in there. We believe that everything belongs to God who calls us at this church to live as faithful stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. What's in the category of all? Just, just in summary, what's in the category of all? Is cutting the grass in all? I, taking out the trash? I have many tenants that don't take out their trash. I think that's important to steward over... <laughs> My property is that they take out their trash and clean up after themselves, such as the dog poop in the backyards that, man, I really don't like cleaning up. Um, a summary, my summary, is um, we're to be good stewards of the way that the, my summary of the, uh, the confession of faith is that we're to be good stewards of God's household, his, his household, our spiritual gifting, other resources that we have, some of the intangibles, some people are more gifted to be able to connect with folks. She's not even looking at me as I'm referencing her. More, more, more gifted to, refer, to be able to communicate and draw people in and pray with them. That's not my skill set. I'm more the, the hammer, the, the head of the hammer, right? Everybody is gifted in different parts of the body of Christ. And we are to be faithful stewards of wielding that gifting, right? Uh, what else on here? Time went over that. Extending the gospel. Are we supposed to hold the gospel under a bushel basket? No, you're supposed to let the light shine, right? <laughs> Say again. <laughs> it's, been, it's been too long since VBS. 
Justice. There's a good one. I'm glad I wrote this down. We're supposed to be good stewards of justice. Love, mercy, and justice, and I don't know the address to that, uh, to that but love, justice, steward, creation. I'm not going to go down that slippery slope, but we are uh, what, what, what God had all the animals passed by Adam in the garden, and he named them, and then figured out, oh, there's not a, there's not a suitable helpmate, so he had to make a helpmate. Whoa, man. But we're, just, we're supposed to take care of creation. We're supposed to tend to the flock, the sheep, and the, the, uh, the animals before we butcher them, right? We're supposed to be stewards of helping those in need, such as this horrific uh, earthquake, right? Helping people that can't help themselves. And this is part of, like, MDS Project going to Kentucky. That's a part of your tithe. Just as much as cutting the check is, is just as much to go there and use your hands, be the hands and feet of Jesus in every literal and proverbial way, right? What else? I'm still missing a couple. Land and animals, I guess I mentioned that. Assisting the disabled. Well, the, the older folks, I can't remember the quote, but older folks are, uh, you know, they feel forgotten, stuck in a nursing home, forgotten. We need to look after, continue to comfort our old folks. I had several conversations going over the same subject a couple, two, three times on the phone this last week with some older folks. It's like, okay. You have a nice day. And, of course, finances. Is the scripture verse back up there, please? I think this is Matthew 23. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, this is Jesus. These are red letters, even though it's white on your screen. Jesus is sort of, you know, he, he, he's getting after the Pharisees. Quite literally, what's it say? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin. You, you tithe... Uh, Cash, silver, gold, and cryptocurrency. Lenny, we should think about getting a Coinbase account so we can accept cryptocurrency as tied. It's a good investment. I'm happy for the Bitcoin that I bought at $500. <laughs> uh, but you have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. It's Jesus' words. Don't just focus on the finance, but we've got to focus on everything. And this is kind of the main first point. Uh, you can scribble it on the backside of your... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to bother Angie to try to format something, so I said, I'll pass out sticky notes. Turns out you've got a little flyer in there, so you can write on the back of there. It's more... It's more, 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 more than finances. Way, way more. And I think this is a key point that if you can skip to the, next, uh, to the next scripture verse, you should recognize this, this, uh, this passage. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what will you drink, nor about your body? What will you put in it? It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He goes on to basically say, hey, the Lord, okay, look at the birds. They are neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And something to the reference of Solomon, and all his glory was clothed. You know, he was one of the richest men in human history, and even he is not dressed as well as the lilies of the field. I didn't read that part. Maybe you cut it off there. That's okay. The point being, God provides for us. My dad trying to squeeze every little nickel, which is prudent 
in a lot of ways, maybe more so, uh, we, we, we could take a hint out of that, a factor of stewardship, but having more open hands. Do we need to worry about every little nitpicky thing? We're pretty well off in the world. Look at those people in Syria. Those buildings collapsed, why? Because they didn't have building regulations, probably. A lot of factors. I guess we won't go into the weeds there. But we are much better off than most anybody else in the world. And not perfect. We're not aiming for utopia. That's not going to happen. We're in the transitionary period, transitioning period, that is, between Jesus has already secured victory. He's already defeated Satan, but he's going to take every one of us down with him while he's flailing, going to the pit, right? We're in this period where it's like the kingdom is here and now and still being birthed to be fully consummated soon. Maybe today. Hopefully tomorrow. Maybe next month. Ooh, please, not, not decades or centuries. Please, sooner than later. That would be fantastic. Well, we're called to live by a different standard of this world. Not be consumed with worry, but be consumed with the presence of God Almighty. And I brought a bunch of illustrations. Wrote all this stuff out. I got pages and pages and such. Are you really interested in hearing me babble about eschatology for the next 15 minutes? Uh, Pastor Ellen, she'd sent out a... Uh, She'd sent out a text message uh, referencing this article about uh, the stuff going down. Uh, a guy that, uh, an old sort of semi-retired pastor, evangelist, he went to Asbury to try to figure out what in the world's going down with this revival thing. And uh, to be fully transparent, I don't understand revival. We're supposed to pray for it and be anticipating and seeking it. I don't get it. For the most part, it's confusing. But I read the stuff, it's like, wow, this is, this, this is what we're supposed to be on our, on, the, on, the, on our toes, I think about, you know, I was never good at basketball, but you just got to be on your toes, be able to move, right? Uh, you know, but I couldn't stay on my toes, I'd trip over the other toe and fall over. We've got to be on our toes ready because Jesus might be here any moment. Because the reign of God is already happening right here and right now. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Those are red letters too. We've got to be on our toes because what also Jesus said, well, only the Father knows when the end is going to come. I think that's Matthew 24. He's going through. You know, we looked at, I remember Blood Moons several years back. It's like, oh, yay, the, the time is nigh. We're ready to go. Looking for, looking for Jesus to come in on the clouds, right? Very, very exciting. But he said, ah, all these things are going to happen, but even I don't know when it's going to be, right? So he said, be on your toes, be on the lookout, be ready. Because any moment, is when the final consummation, the whole thing, a new heaven and a new earth like Kenny read in Revelation. That's any moment now. Very exciting times. So do you want Jesus to find you on your toes, ready? Or do you want Jesus to find you kicked back in the easy chair, counting your pennies? Obsessed with the material while neglecting the, uh, the greater things to steward, right? How are we getting to the reign of God here? All right, so Asbury. I might have to go to my notes. This one fellow wrote, finding it might be the trick. There we go. This guy that Ellen sent out the first issue of this guy's blog, and then he stayed for like a week. And he wrote, and this is getting more to the, to the major point. 
he wrote this, this kind of tripped my trigger on like day four that he was there. He wrote, the answer to this is quickly determined, oh, his question, are you afraid? Are you afraid? He said, the answer to this question is determined by how many people you speak to about Christ daily. How many people do you speak to about Christ on a daily basis? I've got an embarrassing story to tell in just a moment. If the answer is not many or none, the culprit is almost always fear. We're afraid we will be persecuted, laughed out, um, run out of money. Fear of uh, thought of less. That you're going to do something stupid or stub my toe, say something dumb in front of you, and you're all going to laugh. Well, next week you're back to your regularly scheduled program. I'm not too worried about it. Or simply that it will become awkward or inconvenient with people. Talking about Jesus is, you know, to bring that back up. How often do you talk about Jesus? Is it going to be awkward? Or fear that we just don't know what to say or are ill-equipped. And this struck me like a week ago, and just the other day, I want to say Friday. I won't go into a bunch of minutia about the... But I got the text message from Lena Bell's uh, friend's mom that she was spending the night on Friday. And she's like, I, she, she, she wanted to know more. She wanted to go deeper into faith. And you know, because, well, for one, I had my hands in a water heater I was trying to fix. But then for two, it's like, ah, my response was download the Bible app. That's pretty pathetic. That's the best I got for her. A person says she's hungry and... I'll download this app because I'm too busy to talk about Jesus. Bad Matt. Slap on the wrist. Not cool. What, are you, what was I afraid of? I was afraid to have him to go deep. She wanted to go deep and I was afraid of the inconvenience of walking away from, from my job, so to speak. What's the higher priority? With MDS, we talked about this the other evening with, with, with a group. The, the policy, at least my policy... And for the most part, other people's policy is that if the, the homeowner, survivor, the people that you're working for, if they want to talk, you lay the tools down and you let them talk. They might not open up very often, but that's the higher priority. We're rebuilding hope, which involves rebuilding houses sometimes. But my fear in that situation is like, I don't have the time, I don't have the patience, and I think she's a Fruit Loop. So I'm just going to download the Bible app and, uh, what do you say, export that problem. <laughs> or outsource, yeah, that, that's the American way, outsource that problem. Uh, I goofed up. I'll be following up with her this afternoon. He goes on, It is coming to your town, your campus, and your life. In fact, it's before you right now. God is speaking with a megaphone. In case one of you are falling asleep. Calling his church to fall down before him in complete surrender and rise up in bold witness. But in the current moment, sparked by the Asbury Revival, God will undoubtedly call you to enter places you may not have gone, to surrender all, to confess sin and walk deeply with Him, to worship with abandonment, to clear your conscience with those you've wronged, to give with reckless generosity, reckless generosity, to give, you, to give up your schedule, give up your agenda, to be willing to pray all night if needed for the sake of the kingdom. Thus also you could juxtapose God's reign. It's not synonymous, but fairly close. To be willing to pray all night, if needed, for the sake of the kingdom, and to share the gospel and testify boldly to everyone. Yes, it can be inconvenient, 
scary, and too easy to outsource. So I found over and over and over again. Even had another middle-aged single girl. Why, why in the world? They wouldn't just text me. I'm trying to leave for church this morning. Get a text message. She's, she's sick. I'm like, what are you sick about? You got COVID or something? No. She's dealing with bullying and stuff. Uh, I don't get it. I'll follow up with her this afternoon, too. That's Matt's afternoon, following up with older middle-aged single women for some reason. I'm not getting married. Don't even go there. Not interested. Made a vow of celibacy. I, di- I digress from the point that we're getting out here. Stewardship is not this. It's this. And looking for the need. Looking for the need. Looking, looking for, in the spirit of this revival... Looking for what is the Spirit guiding us to do? Not so much we got to bring about utopia right here, right now. Realistically, that's not going to happen. Sorry, we've got to temper reality with the full eschatological, um, biblical uh, model that the rescue mission is still on. God doesn't want to sacrifice one child. We're supposed to be out there seeking the one more. There's another lost. What, leave the 99 sheep, go after the one. We're supposed to be helping save those people, extend the gospel to anybody that is not in the fold, to get them back into the fold, get them back into the herd, bring them into God's holy presence. That's the whole point, right? Leave the 99, go after the one. This is our mission. And you don't have to. Uh, I'm using an illustration in my head for something else. You don't have to. You get to. You get to participate in the kingdom of God. You get to participate in, 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 the, in, in, in bringing, birthing somebody into eternal paradise with you. I'm a little bit burdened by uh, such as my dad and my brother. I just spent a whole week with them and tried to avoid them as much as possible because they ridicule. It's like, you know, my brother's an uh, atheist and dad is like, uh, just count, I'll be sitting over here counting my pennies. We get to participate in the birthing of the reign of God. Further, Ellen just sent a video, Pastor Ellen. She, she sent a, I'll link to a video, another small group of people. Sorry, if you didn't get it, you can text me and I'll forward it, I think. I know how. Uh, and I didn't watch. It was like later yesterday. It's like, ah, I want to watch something else. I don't really want to watch this, another preacher. I went ahead and did it, and it was pretty striking. It was somebody, I think they were from Texas, and they went to Asbury. This is just a pretty interesting thing going on at Asbury. So they went to Asbury, and they're interviewing students and some of the faculty, even the president of the university. And uh, what, what, what I heard over and over again, well, let's see, what was her? All the students were talking, all, all the people were talking about, all these people coming up to the altar and praying there was this resounding echo of repentance. Humility, humble reverence to the Lord, hunger, thirst to go deeper, right? And repentance, like, I think repentance is, that, is really a key to, to the gospel message in that I don't, have a, I don't have a good scripture verse in the top of my head. As you can see, I'm kind of winging it from here. That, um, how would we say, the older I get, maybe some of you can, can, uh, can relate to this. The older we get, the more we recognize how much we desperately need God's grace. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not wrecked like me, but I tell people I, I'm, a, I'm a terrible sinner in desperate need of a Savior, right? 
the more that I live, the more I figure out how much I've goofed up and I desperately need God's grace. And so grace looks more and more amazing every day, every year, because it's like I realize how much more jacked up I am. And jacked is a perfectly good theological word that my, uh, you know, that a doctor at Lincoln Christian Seminary, he, his heavy theological uh, disposition of mankind is jacked but intact. That we're messed up, we're marred by sin, but we are redeemable. And the reign of God is the process of our redemption, the process of our, uh, uh, of our walking in the footsteps of Jesus and mirroring, becoming more like Him. Ideally, a little bit more like Him. But getting to the Asbury point, repentance. Seeing our fault that we desperately need Jesus. If we're good, right? If we're fat and happy and there's no existential threat, we don't need Jesus, do we? And maybe that's what our culture is facing. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with new issues. <laughs> oh, we're not starving to death. Oh, universe, everybody's got health care. We don't need to worry about it. So we come up with new problems, right? Oh, we've got to have a, a bathroom for they and them. I, I, I shouldn't have gone there. I already went there. So we come up with manufacturing these new issues, right? Because we see ourselves as already perfect. And what, what part of that equation do we need Jesus? Jesus is over here. It's like, I'm standing in the sunshine. All is well. It's a buffet of, of splendor. What do I need Jesus for, right? It isn't until, like these youngsters, at, uh, youngsters, wow, it sounds old to me, to say, the bulk of them are uh, college students, right? That they're repenting. They're having their come to Jesus moment. They see, oh, I am so messed up. And the repentance, the repentance theme, everybody was saying repentance in this interview. These were real people really had Asbury over and over and over again. The same thing, repentance and humility, generosity, that they're staying. If somebody else needs to be prayed for, if there's other people in line, which are like thousands of people in line, they're like, after they've been prayed on, it's like they turn around, it's like, here, you step up at the altar, let's pray over you. For 24 hours a day, day after day, this revival thing is, I can't get my hands around it. If you can, please tell me what I need to do. But this is really exciting times. It starts to make me think, ooh, get on your toes. I think Jesus is here. When you <laughs> thinking like basketball terms. Oh, here he comes. Is he going to go left? Is he going to go right, right? We've got to be on our toes. We've got to be ready in full surrender. And I think that's what, uh, what a lot of these... Um, people coming up to the altar and surrendering themselves to Jesus is surrendering, surrendering their pride, turning in humility, recognizes, oh, wow. When you stand before God in His perfect holiness, we see how jacked we are, right? That heavy theological term, jacked. You are jacked. I got good news for you. You're jacked, but intact because of Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. Don't try to try or don't attempt to try because you'll fail. You can't fix it. It's unfixable. <laughs> oh, I just had a couple of illustrations come to mind, but uh, I'll go too far. Probably my favorite illustration out of this whole series is the wheelbarrow. You know, Brother Dwayne figured out that wheelbarrow thing. You know, the guy walking across the high line or the high wire over Niagara Falls, and he's doing one thing after another. He, he's cooking an egg in a skillet. I couldn't find a video of that, Dwayne. I think it was before, before film. But he's doing all these tricky things. He brings a wheelbarrow across the, uh, the high wire. 
Oh, you think I could carry a person in that wheelbarrow? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, who's up? Come on in. Take the first volunteer, jump in the wheelbarrow, right? And nobody wants to volunteer. Why? Because, oh, eh. that takes a little sacrifice. Why? Because they're holding themselves really tightly. This is the, I deserve this. This is my safety, my security. And Jesus is calling, oh, I know I skipped over some verses that were in the slides, like, uh, well, even the Matthew. Don't worry about, you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. Do you not have a closet full of, full of uh, clothes already? You don't need to worry about that. Uh, worry about extending the gospel. Worry about, about, honoring the, uh, about honoring God Almighty for, for saving us for providing the propitiatory sacrifice that we deserve the cross, but we don't have to take it because Jesus already took it for us. And just echoing the same thing over and over again. But I think the key point to the reign of God, I believe, is not my conclusion. I don't have a bunch of scripture verses to point to. I got a bunch, if you want to read this book, this is a good one. I, I had to order a new copy, The Upside Down Kingdom, because I let one of you lend it out and it never come back, so I had to order a new copy. <laughs> if you want this copy, just make sure you come back to me. The reign of God, just, just like the purse strings are tied to our heart strings, right? I think that's why Jesus spoke so much about money, is because it, it, there's this correlation. A heart is connected to what is mine, mine, mine. And Jesus, everything is upside down kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for you will be joyful. Blessed are the meek, for you will inherit the earth, the Beatitudes. I know that was in the stack. I'm skipping over it because this is what makes sense at the moment. But repent, turn, which the Hebrew, which I can't remember at the moment, is literally to turn again. Repent, in its most literal sense, is to turn again. Why? Because we get distracted. Oh, pretty lights. We get distracted, we get absorbed with ourselves, and Jesus calls us to turn again. Turn again to his goodness, to his grace, to his reign. And this is the highest point that we're getting to, is God's reign, yes, it is coming, it's already planted in, it, it's already implanted into our society. We see revival happening, that's part of God's reign, part of God bringing that lost one, back to himself. He's not going to come until every effort, every measure has been done to redeem the lost, right? So hopefully that's pretty soon, but there's probably billions of people out on the earth that have not received the message of Jesus Christ, the, the redemptive good news, the grace of which we need for eternal life with God. So the reign is here and now in the world, but I think it's moreover, the reign of God begins here. Just like, you're, just like what you grasp to is, is close to here. It, the reign of God is inside us. That's where it starts. The reign of God is when we repent. We turn to God. Turn again, turn again, turn again. However many times it takes. If it takes 100,000 times, what Jesus said, oh, how many times, or somebody asked Jesus, how many times should the person be forgiven? Seven or you know, eight times? What? And Jesus said, 70 times 77 which is basically saying there's an unlimited number of forgivenesses, right? Just turn again, turn again. Open yourself up in humility, self-sacrifice, because what is the model of Jesus? 
I know one of the verses, I, I got it pretty much memorized, Philippians, that uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, something to the effect of God emptied himself. No, that's not it. Okay. Oh, yeah, it is. It's getting pretty close. He did not look to, therefore God highly exalted and bestowed. Okay, slide before that. He did nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility emptied himself, which basically it's like he came to be born as a baby, you know, to live in, in, a, in, a, in a sacrificial way. The Son of Man did not come to be served upon, but to serve, correct? And if we're to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus, if we really do believe what we read, if we really do believe this, then we live it out, right? And of course, it's hundreds, if not thousands of possible ways. Yes, we should absolutely we go back to the, the confession of faith. You know, there's, I think there's, what, there 25 or 26 or 24, thereabouts. You know, uh, Holy Spirit, Scripture. We need to be praying. We need to be reading God's Word every day. You don't really have an excuse with, uh, with reading Scripture. Anybody here got a computer of sorts? You got one of those computers in your hand called a cell phone, a smartphone? You really don't have an excuse. I'm not passing you all off like I did that weird old lady. But the Bible app is pretty cool. <laughs> in that one, I don't feel like I can read. You know, if I'm in bed with a migraine or post-sickle after I had a seizure, I can press play. <laughs> and the Bible reads aloud. I think you have to download it. I'm not sure of the technical specs on that. You got no excuse. I fall asleep to Scripture a lot. I'm not ashamed to say that. I think it's great. I think it's great. Let that play while I sleep. Maybe there's some sort of osmosis that occurs there. I don't know. But there's no excuse not to be diving into God's Word. There's no excuse as wealthy as we are in every regard. We have plenty of time. How much time do you have in comparison to the person sitting next to you? Do you have more? Cam, you got more time than your dad? I'll pick on Cam. We all have the same amount of time. Those people are digging out in Syria. You know, they're pretty consumed at the moment. We got time to pray. We got time to read God's word. We've accessed the Holy Scripture. Uh, last time, last time I knew that there, there's still like three thousand languages, known languages in the world, that the Bible has not been translated into. Remember, Wycliffe Bible scholars came, uh, basically trying to recruit people to become Bible translators. And their theory is that as soon as we can translate God's word into all the languages, then then the kingdom will be fully consummated, fully, you know, new heaven and new earth. I don't know. I don't know for certain. Eschatological stuff is heavy. Wade through Revelation yourself. Good luck. Uh, contact Pastor Luke, if, or better yet, contact, uh, contact Dwayne Eby or one of the elders if you have uh, serious theological questions. But go through the spiritual disciplines, and I think as the Asbury Revival... May you get the spark off of that. May we all take a spark off of that and realize, ooh, we need Jesus more, way more. Holy Spirit, come and speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How, how, how shall we respond? In fear, as most of the world? Or in faith and humble humility, turning again to God Almighty so that he may reign in our life. So your, uh, your action point, you fill in the blank. Uh, you got a whole page there. You fill in, what are you afraid of? And where does, the, where does God's reign, what's the next step in your life of God's reign? Are you missing out on scripture, prayer, fasting? I don't fast. 
I don't know if you do. But where are you missing out? Are you, are, you, are, are you being a good steward of your time, of all the resources, the gifting that God has given you? You write that. that that's your action point. What are you going to do? I know my action point is I have to follow up with these middle-aged single females in a biblical way. <laughs> and maybe I'll refer them to a different church. Maybe we'll see. But write it down. What's your action point? What are you going to, if nothing else, the posture starts here. The posture starts in humility. Just like these, uh, these youngsters, and I suppose there's old people there too at Asbury. Well, there's that guy that read the blog post. He, he, he's got way more gray hair than me. In humility, we approach God Almighty thankful with great gratitude, with open, with open hands. Will you pray with me? God Almighty, we do not deserve your goodness, your grace. We have not earned it. We certainly don't deserve it. And yet you extend yourself in every possible way over and over and over again, no matter how many times we turn our back to you. Or we take a moment right now to, to turn again towards you. We repent of our shortcomings. We desire to be, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. May Lord, may your spirit indwell us, come into us in such a way to, uh, may your spirit invade us, invade our space in every facet of life, our time, our resources, our gifting. Lord, may you guide us and direct us. Above all, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We praise you by your reign in our lives that begins in our hearts and is an outwork, a constant outgrowth from our heart going out into the world. Lord, empower us in the mission field with your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, 